episode 213, Thomas Vanek going to join us and uh, lots of fun stuff to talk about. Big trade yesterday in the NHL. Bo Horvat actually moved. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I might even have uh, insight as to what the phone conversation between Lou Lamorello and Patrick Alvin sounded like. So remind me to bring that up a little bit later. I have a very, su- very surprise. I have a very special surprise guest. Again. Uh, Yes, again. So is it Surprise Tuesday now? Like, is that uh, is that the new segment for uh, Andrew Peters? No, it's it's actually, it's not for Andrew Peters. It's probably more for our audience, to be honest with you. And, okay. uh, you know, I think I wouldn't bring somebody on that was a stranger to us. I think I would bring somebody on that would actually, uh, we'd be able to have a little bit of fun with. So, okay. You know, especially Thomas, because we know Thomas is a ball buster, and I wouldn't bring anybody on here that couldn't take a few blows to the stones <laughs> from our boy Thomas Vanek. So, uh, yeah, guest coming up in a little bit. Bo Horvat deal, like I said, Bobby Hall passed away yesterday, hockey legend, Chicago Blackhawks. Um. A lot of memorials going out to him. So just watching Chris Chelios and some other some other former legendary Hawks talk about his greatness on the ice. And that's it. Anything to add, Craig? Good morning. Nope. I think you teed her up. I think you teed her up nicely. And um, I look forward to uh, talking with Thomas because Thomas played with Bo Horvat. And he's a big, big fan of uh, Bo Horvat. That's uh, and Thomas played for the Islanders. I wonder if Bo Horvat called Van and said, "What do you think of the island?" And how about this? How about this? Did you know that Lou Lamorello could have had Bo Horvat on the New Jersey Devils back in the year that Horvat was drafted? Lou Lamorello held the ninth pick overall as the new general manager of the New Jersey Devils. He traded that pick at the draft for goaltender Corey Schneider. What year? I I don't know the year. Take a shot at it. 15? I'd say somewhere around Eichel's draft before that. I would say. I would say it's between the years 2012, 13. Okay. 14. So why don't you pull that up? Yep, so Lou had the ninth pick overall, traded the ninth pick to the Vancouver Canucks in return for goaltender Corey Schneider, and the Vancouver Canucks drafted Bo Horvat. And the year was? Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, I'm going to have Jesus, to look it I up. Thought that, I just said, look it up. I thought that's what you were doing for. I just said, you look it up, and I'll figure this out. So have you found it yet? Okay, I'll do I'll do your job. 2013, like I said, let's go get Thomas Vanek. Morning, gentlemen. Did we talked last week about when you went to the hotel, to the restaurant to meet Patty Laleem and the people that stopped you? No, I don't think so. No, we, we didn't. I mentioned to you guys that at, um, at the rink later that day, but I don't think we mentioned it on the pod. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I, I had so. to go and grab Rivs. Sorry, Rivs. <laughs> I had to go and interrupt completely rudely interrupt your conversation with I don't know who it was. I think you were talking to I don't know somebody important. Yeah, it's funny, you know, life changes. Now I'm known as um, a sidekick of after the whistle, and not a not a player anymore. So, well, it's a listen, good feeling. Listen, man, we got another media request <laughs> for you the other day, and we said. <laughs> <laughs> Some big well, let let us talk it over with Thomas. Uh, we'll let you know. I was like, yeah, Threw that in the garbage. Let me, let me. Uh, we'll we'll run it by our people, our PR department. Uh, see what uh, see what they have to say. That's so, right. Your boy got traded yesterday. Yeah, no shock. Uh, it's first. I want to hear about uh, Rivs. You were pretty uh, adamant that Horvat is going to be a Vancouver Canuck. And I think I've said for a while that he's going to get dealt. I think they truly tried to make a uh, offer, uh, an offer to him that would make sense. Okay, it, it's not like you're just going to throw out a 27 year old player that is playing in his prime, um, because even if even if you're going to rebuild, he is literally the pinnacle player that you want to try and have your young players be around. Would you Would you agree with that, Vanner? 
100%, but I think they made their choice in the summer by signing JT Miller first. And I think that was my my first sign. I don't think I don't think that's that's the case. I think that they actually thought by signing Miller that they would continue to be better. Okay, with the with the players that they had in their lineup, Brock Besser's having an off year. You have, um, you know, Elias Patterson that he's a good, he's he's their their face of of the franchise sort of thing. I think that they thought that they would have been better. They clearly are not, and now you're you're making a decision. Like, can I can I say this that when this deal was done. And and I want to get your opinions on this deal. For Bo Horvat, I think this is horseshit. <laughs> I think that this is not a good deal. Like Anthony Bolivier um is is an okay second line, third line uh left winger. That's just my thought. Um you have uh Atu Ratu Ratty. Who's a second round? He was a second rounder, um, who's playing in the NHL for his first time. I think he's played like twelve games, has like two goals. Supposed to be a very skilled um, Finn. Has a bit of an attitude problem. Has some has some issues away away from the rink and and attitude wise. And he's trying to clear that name by working harder and stuff like that. Um, and then you have a conditional first round draft pick. I don't get it. Well, it's for a rental. Yeah, with Rose. I mean, I texted you guys this as soon as I saw it on my phone, and I'm like, this seems to me like a deal that you know would have Canucks held on to him the day of the deadline. It's coming down in the last hour, and they're not getting what they want. And all of a sudden, this is the best package. We got to move on. Not a month before the deadline. I think that's a great deal for the Islanders. They're getting a player a month before the deadline. Let him, you know, get into the system. Especially, I think Lou did a great job by making a move now when there's the All Star and bye week. So, I mean, I've been traded before. Rizby, you've been traded before. It's no fun when you get traded and you got to pack up within hours and leave your family and and yeah. meet the team in a different city or in the home city, and you're scrambling. And it takes you a little bit to, you know, feel like you're you're a home base again or feeling normal. I think this deal right here gives the Islanders an, an unbelievable player, but at the same time, it gives them seven, eight days to, you know, kind of recognize, okay, I'm not a Canuck anymore. I'm a New York Islander. I got a few days to pack up, to move, get settled. But uh, besides that, the package, I'm with Rivs. I, I was shocked by the package. I mean, when we talked the Horvat deal, do you guys remember? We we're saying at least one first round pick, Probably a second round pick. Yeah. Probably Matt Savoy. Probably uh, a player that's currently on the roster. Yep. I mean, we were talking a lot more than than this. So I was. I don't. I know. I will it's, say this that especially uh, with the salary he has, right? I mean, you're you're not making a. That's not a ten million dollar player. Like it's not a Patrick Kane you're trying to fit under your cap. That's a guy making five five. And on top of that, right? Did you see him? The Vancouver Canucks retained twenty five percent of the deal as well. <laughs> that's yeah. see, now that's the part that, was, <laughs> that trickled out. It's after crazy! I was like, it they is. got fucked, and they picked up. Tw- that's when I was like, Lou called him and threatened him with concrete boots. <laughs> man, I'm telling you, there's no way. Even picking up salary. Oh so my! I'm talking about it. how much? How much right now? How much is uh, uh, um, Anthony Bolivier making? How much do you think he makes? You know, I, I, I would think he makes. Yes, three, you know, three and a half. I think three. He makes four point one five. Yeah, so you're trading. Like we're not talking a guy salaries. that does not have that's not making a lot of money. We're talking about a guy who is making four point one five. You just traded your captain, your top player. The, I mean, this is what reeks to me. I think. And we're only going to find this out later on, right? This is going to be months away. But I think that Lou Lamorello called Bo Horvat into his office. And he said, in order for this team to move in the right direction with you involved, you need to help me. 
and I'm going to give you an opportunity to go and play in another city. Okay. But I want you to come back and sign with the Vancouver Canucks. I need a Patrick Alvin. Yeah, I think you said yeah. Lou Lamorello. Yeah. So Sorry, Lou. Patrick Alvin. So Patrick Alvin's going to sit down and he's going to have this conversation and, and he's going to say, I'm going to acquire players that are going to make us better. Um, not only now, but in the future. And I want you to be a part of this team. So will you go and play for another team for the next three months? where I can acquire pieces that will make us better. But we talk about, can you see that at all? Yeah, but you don't, you don't see banner shaking his head. Well, no way. I mean, if that conversation was had, he ain't going to the New York Islanders. He's going to the (laughs) Boston Bruins or the Colorado avalanche, (laughs) not to the New York Islanders who are behind the Buffalo Sabres in the playoffs. I'm not, I'm not saying that Patrick Alvin said that I'm going to put you in a place where you're going to have an opportunity to win the Stanley cup. I'm going to put you in a place that I'm going to get pieces that I feel is going to make our team better. They got a first round draft. They got a first rounder. Okay. A conditional first rounder. They have, um, Atu Ritua or whatever, Ratty, who apparently is a very, very skilled hockey player. He's only 20 years old and you're picking up Anthony Bolivier, who is a solid third to second line left winger he's only no. 25 years old no chance that conversation happened no okay if, if that conversation happened i'm sure borhoer would be like you want me to move for three months and play for the islanders and then come back it'll be like fuck you if you want to do this hold on to me for the deadline and then i want to go to boston or colorado and i pick my team there's no way that that conversation i think if anything happened is it's on the other side that lou already you know, even though it's, you know, Borhover, I saw his interviews. He said, uh, you know, he hasn't talked about an extension with the Islanders or anything. That I can see Lou somehow already had in place before he made that deal. Like, do you think that you think Bo Horvat wants to sign with the Islanders? Yeah, it's a great place. Yeah, I wasn't expecting you to say that. You lost me. No, I, no I, 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 I'm, I'm saying I don't know if he will sign there. I'm just saying I think Lou does not make a trade for a rental unless he knows. Lou that, that, gave up not very much. And how well, still a first round how, pick, right? He gave up a first Lou? round pick last year for for the defenseman uh, from Montreal. What's his name again? Romanov. Yeah, Romanov. Yep. So how old is Lou? In his seventies, probably. Do you do you ever think that Lou right now understands with what he has with the Islanders that the um, window of opportunity to do something special is closing as we speak with this team? Hundred percent. So, yes, and so is Lou's um, longevity in the game as as a GM. I think that Lou's been with the Islanders for a number of years. They've they've been up and down. They've had some great success. Then they've had some faltered seasons. But I think that Lou is looking and saying, I've probably only got a couple more years at this. This is my opportunity. What I have with the Islanders currently right now, if I have just a few pieces that can get us over the top. We go from a mid-level team to literally a much higher echelon team. I think that's what Lou's looking at. And he's like, well, I'm going to trade away the uh, 2023 first-round pick. Who gives a shit? Lou's not going to be there in a couple years. He's not even going to be watching the 2013 uh, player play anyway. Correct. No, I I think you're 100% right on, on that. But I do think... Lou definitely has a plan in place for an their, extension. If that's going to happen isn't or terrible. not. No, that's a, that's a very good team. Good like, goaltending. They just haven't scored enough goals. And I think Horvat, especially if you put Horvat at, at the center ice with uh, Matthew Barzell, I think to get him going again, I think he's a special player. Again, that team. Well, isn't Barzell a center? Yeah, but I think they have 
enough other centers where you can, you know, mix those two good players together and not have Barzell worry about the, the you know, defending low and whatever. And, and just because their centers that they currently have right now are um, Barzell, they have Nielsen. Yep. And they have um, uh, the player that used to be in Ottawa. Help me out. Pajot. Here. Pajot. Like those are their top three centers. Those are mm-hmm. those are three really really good centers. Um, but you're right. You uh, you know, Vanner. If one of those guys had to move to the wing, I would think it would <laughs> most likely be Matt Barzell. So let me ask you guys this: Islanders are one point behind the Sabers. Sabers have three games in hand. Are the Sabres on the clock now with this move? Because the Islanders clearly feel that with this move, they can leapfrog the Sabres and the probably the Penguins or the Capitals. So they have to they have to they have to pass over two teams. Buffalo would probably be one of them. Does Buffalo need to make a move, or is that not even a relevant conversation right now? What would you do? I'll let Thomas Sabres. answer. You oh, never I've, answer. I've... I want to hear what you have to answer. You bring up all these unbelievable questions, and I know you have a thought. I want to hear what your thought is on this before Vanner. My thought has changed. We talked about it last week. Ah, that's a good thing. Okay. Yeah, my thoughts so changed. you're like a yo-yo right now. No. no well, I think <laughs> the, the fucking Sabres are a yo-yo, man. Like, they've been up and down all year. Now you sit and look at where they're at. I'm not changing. No, Riffs is right. Answer answer the question. No, answer I'm your not, own question. Let's go. I'm not going to do anything. I think I'm... You know what? That's not true. I'm not going to do anything drastic. I'm not bringing in a top six player. I'll bring in a, a, a third line left winger. I'll bring in a veteran defenseman, but I am not doing anything to shake and rattle and roll the chemistry of the young players that are playing in their spots. I'll let them, I'll let them challenge themselves to bump each other out. I'm not going to do it by making a move. Veteran defenseman. Top four defenseman or top six defenseman? Uh, five, six. Okay. So a five, six defenseman is like, I don't know. What, what, what am I like? I guess. Okay, so so it, it's, I'm just, this is a great conversation. And I, I know Vanner's got some thoughts and I, and I want to hear that, but I want to break down because you, you bring it up a great, you're saying for Kevin Adams, not worry about what everybody else is doing. Let's just focus solely on our team and what we're doing moving forward. You're, you're saying you're stand almost pat. there as is. You're almost there as is. So you said maybe change or or upgrade a fifth sixth defenseman. That means Lilia Bushkin, Ilya Labushkin or Jacob Bryson. Most likely Bryson. Okay. Um Bryson's 25. Kevin Adams likes Bryson. Doesn't mean he and, can't be your seventh for down the stretch. Okay. And and I'm just I'm just if we're talking about if we're talking about having these young guys continue to make mistakes, grow, and become better, what is what is Jacob Bryson's gonna be like at 28 when it really actually matters than you know 25 when he's gaining that time and 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 key moments, right? But I I agree with you on the defense. On the forward line. Again, I think there's got to be an upgrade on the third line. I think you're going to live and die with JJ Paterka and Jack Quinn on the second line because they need to play. They need to play. And right Thomas now, I still think that there's an upgrade that can be had on the third line. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. It's third line and, and veteran defenseman. What do you think, Thomas? What would you do if you're the Sabres that are sitting in the spot they're in right now? Well, I'm not. I'm not changing my mindset i've always been if you can improve your team you're gonna improve your team if you can acquire a team of meyer i'm not worried about chemistry or i'm gonna improve my team and that's that's just it if that's a third line winger if that's a top six guy and he's available and it makes sense i'm going to get him because okay can i I, from day one have said you need nine forwards not six yeah, I like how this right. team is playing for sure. But does a team of Meyer is he better than the nine forwards? Is he better than one of the nine forwards you have currently in the top nine? I think he is. Then you make a move and get better. What What do you have to offer offer up? 
what do you have to offer up to get Timo Meyer? Now understand Timo Meyer is having a really nice season in San Jose. He's um, 26 years old right now. Okay. He, he has 28 goals and I think 50 points, 28 goals and 50 points in like 53 games. He's a goal scorer. He's, he's a, he's a top six uh, winger. And what do you have to give knowing that this player is coming off his deal right now? And he's got a qualifying offer. You have to qualify this guy at ten yeah, he's million dollars. Nine million. So it's going to be a sign and trade. He'll he'll trade and he'll be still be in a contract agreed upon. Seven years, whatever it well, is. No, it's it doesn't have to be seven. It's going to be eight, right? Because it's a new team. But even if you can't get an extension signed, the way I look at it, especially after this Horvat deal. I don't know if it's going to take much more than that. I think it's going to be a, probably a better prospect, but it's still the first round pick, a player on your current roster. And I would think it will take a Matt Savoy, someone better than a Atu Roddy or whoever the Islanders put in the package. But even if you can't get him signed, you qualify him at 10 million. That doesn't mean you can't trade the player next year and, and hold 50% and probably get a first round pick back at the deadline. Yeah, but if you're going to go out and make a deal like this, it's with the intentions I, of signing long term. But if you right. can't get it done long term, I think he still has a ton of value next year's at the deadline. You don't think he's got next year at the deadline? If no, if no question. He, at, at, he's at always going to have value. The Sabres have cap space the next year, so the ten million can fit. You could even hold at the deadline fifty percent of that salary. And you're going to probably get the same package back you actually traded him for. I believe. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong on that, but I think that's a that's a player that any team wants on their team. Yeah, I I don't think like you're you're going to want to you're going to want to get him signed. He, like like we said, he has a qualifier of ten million dollars. You're not paying him ten million dollars. You're going to negotiate a long term deal with this player that will you know, be paying him, you know, eight and a half, nine million dollars, I would think. Right. For and sure. if that can get done, then Timo Meyer and his skill set and what he does at his age, 26, he's desirable, very desirable. But I love what I love is when you're sitting there, who's more valuable on the open market, a Bo Horvat, who's a centerman, who's a captain, who's got 30 plus goals himself, who's having a career year, the same as a Timo Meyer, who's more valuable. Bo Horvat, because of being a centerman, a leader, you know, he's more valuable. And that market has been set now, which I'm shocked because I don't think it's a whole lot for Bo Horvat. So Timo Meyer, I mean, I would be really interested. Like, being able to use collateral that they have, they have an insane prospect pool off the chart. If anybody has what it takes to make a move to bring in Timo Meyer, there's no question that the Sabres have it. Yeah. And another guy I've mentioned before is uh, Tyler Bertuzzi out of Detroit. He's a UFA coming up. Is Detroit going to add at the deadline? Or are they not quite there yet? I, I think they're not quite there yet. And if they can't save of a Dylan Larkin, it sounds like they can't get close to a deal. I can see them moving out, out of Larkin and out of Bertuzzi. Hey, and Van, you know you know who Riv Bertuzzi's a guy I would go after. I, I love him. I mean, you, you know can play him on your top line, yesterday? second, third line. You know who Craig brought up yesterday was uh, Jordan Greenway from Minnesota. Yes. Yeah. I mean that's that's a guy I know that you know he's he's a Billy Garen type of player, big, strong, physical. But what I do know and what I've heard is that Billy has been not happy with his game. And you know, I don't know if that's the fit, the system. I don't know exactly the details, but I mean it just I mean I'm sure Kevin or just like any other GM, they're making their due diligence and making the phone calls. But that's another guy. I've met him before. I've I've kind of like, tried don't to help you think him. It's an opportunity to go after a player that is 
that is underachieving. I think oh, Green Bay is, is grossly underachieving for what he can do in this league. Now, is he going to be a first line left winger? No, he's not. Never in in his career will be a first line left winger. Will he be a second? I don't think he'll be a second, but he is going to be a fantastic third line left winger. He's got the size, the skating, the skill set. Um, I don't know, you know man. He's, a- he's so skilled, so big. He's such a powerful skater, and he plays a physical game. I think he could absolutely be a second liner. I think he can be a first line player or a second line. He can be whatever wow. he wants to be because I mean, it's, I'll give Bartlett hockey a plug. He's a Bartlett hockey guy, so I've 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 known Greenway. I've worked with him a little bit in the summer to improve his you know net front ability. Here's the thing: a lot of these guys you know, in junior hockey and, and college hockey, they're the best players. So where do the best players always play? Usually half wall, goal line. They have to puck a ton. Now you get to the NHL, you have to adapt your game. The The, the way they want him to adapt is, hey, you're 6'5", 240 or whatever he is. He's huge. They want him to chip pucks in and then finish hits and do all these things, which he does have to do. But at the same time, with his frame, he can hold on to pucks. He can, they should take it away from him. And I don't, you know, and part of it is confidence. And then he needs yeah. to get to the net more. It's the same when I mentioned about Alex Tuck, you know, I said his frame, he's got to learn how to be a better net front guy. And I think he's improved that over the last yeah. couple months. But he can make plays though, too. That's the thing I like about it. He can actually, he can make some plays out there. Oh, he's, he's very skilled. He's yeah. his hockey. IQ, he doesn't come off like, like he's super smart, but he is his hockey IQ Greenway. Greenway. So they're, his they're wanting IQ him to play more like a Marcus mm-hmm. Felino slash, yeah. uh, you know, Ryan Reeves, go Eric's put the puck back. deep, get yes. in on it, lay the body, be highly physical, but Greenway coming from the national development program, what that means is these, the national development program kids are the most skilled players in the United States. They're all brought to one team. They all go to, you know, they, they train together and do everything together. And these are the best players. These are the best, most skilled players in the United States. Okay. Jordan Greenway was one of those players. He was playing for the national development program, then got drafted to, um, to, uh, Minnesota in, in the second round. And he's now playing in the NHL. He's a big man. He was rated in the first round at one point before the draft. There's no, he was at some point. Okay. He was, I'm just saying that that says a lot to, to what it's not like he was a third rounder and they took him in the second round. He was a first round potential player. And that was a really good draft he was in too. So I look at him and and he's grossly underachieving. And I love attacking players that I feel are grossly underachieving in a year. Might be because he might fall out of favor with the with the head coach and the system. And there might be players that are brought in, like Ryan Reeves, who's playing maybe more minutes than Greenway. These are the players that you want to attack. And I think Jordan Greenway is exactly, and I mean exactly what the Sabres need. He's in, he's definitely uh, in the age range. Thomas, anything to add on that? Because I have a little treat for you guys again. No, I, again, my, that that's from the beginning of this. I've always said you can improve your team, even if your team is playing well. I'm going to be aggressive and do it. If it's a Greenway, if it's a Bertuzzi, if it's a Timo Meyer. Even at the at the back end, right? I think the back end is playing really, really well right now. But as we all know, you need depth, especially if you want to get into the playoffs. Is it RFA you go after? Is it UFA? Is it a Carson Soucy, a Nick Jensen? Guys like this who are depth guys, but you need them on your team to have success. So, so those are the things that I would definitely look into to improve this team right now that's playing really well. You're you're not messing with the chemistry. You're not trading one of your top guys. You're not trading Kyle Posey, your captain, or you're not do. you're tweaking. And maybe, you know, maybe you do trade a guy that fits in really well. I mean, Vinny Hinostroza, I don't know him, but you guys always talk about in the media talks about how important he is in the locker room and blah, blah, blah. Where where has he been over last week? Well, he's been in the minors. Exactly. Has that really affected the, the four game road trip? Not at all. Because he doesn't play. He hasn't played all year, right? Uh, correct. But that's what I'm saying. But when people say chemistry, this is chemistry important. A hundred percent of this. But if you make moves and show the guys in the locker room, the core group that we're making your team better, 
That yes. ain't going to affect chemistry. That's just, hey, sorry, one of your buddies had to leave because we're trusting you guys and we're improving you guys. That's my <laughs> mindset. I'm improving this team anytime I can with better players than, than I currently have. Well, I'm about to do something that is going to directly affect the chemistry on this show right now. But I'm going to go to the bathroom first. When I come back, you guys have to go to the bathroom at all? No, I don't. No, I'm ready. And I, I, I got a good feeling with this. I've had a whole bottle of water and a massive coffee today. I'll be right oh, back. Again. And I got a little treat for you guys. All right. So without further ado. God. Can we guess before you put him on? No, it's too late. No way. You can see it already? Why, like, Vanner, are you as disappointed as I am right now? Like, it's only Ryan Miller. <laughs> <laughs> I was really hoping it would be Max. Millsy will do, though. Yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> the whole time, I we're, Vanner and I uh, are sitting there. Petey had to go to the washroom, so we're on pause. And yeah. uh, Vanner and I are back and forth. <clears throat> we're looking at each other. We're like, who do you think it's going to be? And Vanner's like, I think it's going to be a Finneganoff. I'm like, there's no way it's going to be. He can't even speak English. We can't have him on the pod. So Ryan Miller night continues here on After the Whistle. What's happening, man? How 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 was it seeing everybody? That was the best part, huh? <clears throat> I hadn't seen a lot of the boys in a long time. And I mean, now I just want to see everybody again, like go to the rink again. I, well, it was it was ult- it was the ultimate story time. And, was, you know, I, I spending the time with the boys, I went home that night and, uh, my wife looked at me and she said, how, how to go, how, how was it? And I just said, I, I li- this is exactly what I said to her. I said, that was the closest I felt to being a professional hockey player in a decade. I said, yeah. being with the boys, it was j- literally like being in the room in the locker room again with all these guys. It was just an absolute blast. That was the cool part. Like when I walked downstairs and, and saw everybody and uh, we had that hour before everything began to just kind of hang out and catch up. Like, and then as we're walking out, you know, like everybody's just carving everybody walking out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Van, Van is, uh, was on point as I appreciated it. And that really helped me going out there to speak to the crowd. Like I, I was a little bit nervous, obviously, but then I like everyone was just carving everybody, joking around. I had a big smile on my face and didn't leave for you know four days. Was, a lot of that was just because I got to see everybody, and and it was like nothing changed. I mean, Royzy showing up with a giant turtleneck and a mustache, you know, made my day too. So <laughs> Timmy Conley showing up, even though he's on crutches. And, you know, it meant a lot. And it was really cool that uh, we all got to be together. Yeah. Timmy Connolly had so many drinks later on in the night that he wasn't <laughs> using crutches anymore and walking around. No problem. It's, uh, it's a good doctor's orders. That's the doctor's orders. <laughs> no, I loved it. It was, again, for me, I was just in and out because of, uh, you know, the boys I coach, I had to be back. But it was so fun to see everyone again, like Millsy just mentioned. The old, and the Sabres did an awesome job for Ryan. The whole presentation, it was, I mean, it was really well done. The only thing I wish we would have done is would have had a morning skate. It would have been so fun to have a morning skate. Sniping yeah, the, Millsy one more time. You know what, man? You know what's amazing? Room. You you would have taken your option. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I would have been out there. I would have been, I would have been early with Jimmy Corsi and Millsy doing the little tip tip drills or something. So, I mean, how fun would a morning skate have been with all the guys who were there? I I rented the ice. Uh, not rented, but they gave me the ice in the afternoon uh, on that Friday, and we had the families out. So the kids were ripping around. They had rental skates for some of the you know people i brought brought my new forward skates and had Bodie all suited up and gerb showed up with uh with his daughter and uh you know a bunch of people were trying some stuff out so and then gerb wore Bodie's gear and went on the ice <laughs> i i think <laughs> we're gonna have to tell him he said poor that. guy's not even here to defend himself yeah <laughs> I got the itch last year, like in August. I went out with some of the guys with the Ducks when they got in town. So I, I would have loved to do it with you guys. Oh, I would. I could do it once. I could do a. I could do a half hour with you guys. So, so many times we see these ceremonies, right? For so many different reasons, and there's always 
there's always something that goes wrong. There's something that you can say, hey, I wish they'd done this differently or that differently. I can honestly say that I think this ceremony and this event from the time it started to the time it ended on Saturday after the game was completely flawless. Do you feel like that because your standing ovation was better than Riv's? Is that why you like, is it, that's the only thing PD's looking back at? It was so, such a good I ain't gonna tell you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. I, congratulations to Ryan Miller for, you know, getting the old uh, jersey thrown in the rafters. But holy shit, man, when PD comes out and gets an ovation uh, that's louder than everybody, including Ryan Miller, that's a freaking problem in this well, city. even fucking close. Oh, Shut up. Millsy, Shut I, I told this story to PD. Man, way to fucking so listen. Millsy, I told this story. I'm not even kidding you. So there was uh, PD. That's, was, that's why PD keeps bringing up Miller Knight. So it always comes. Right? It he won't let it go. PD his, <laughs> his ego is off the chart. But I, I was telling him this when we when we sat down on the ice in our in our chairs, and I looked over <laughs> at PD and I said, I got shit from the girl that was helping us go on the ice. Because she tapped me on the shoulder and she's like, go, go. They said your name. They've called your name. Meanwhile, I couldn't hear anything oh because they were God. still cheering for Petey. Shut up. It was Man, unbelievable. Such an asshole. I'm so proud. I swear to God, it was one of the most proud moments uh, that I get to work with this there was, guy. Every there, were, day. there were 19,000 after the whistle Petey, fans there, Riv. You shit on yourself all the time. And you know this, Millsy. You know this, Vanner. Holy it's like, God. you know, I was a terrible hockey player, this and that. And, that. and all of a sudden, people. Well, look people up his stats. Hockey to be his stats. <laughs> they don't lie, eh, man? A <laughs> lot, lot of zeros, man. Come on, man. He he tells me all the time if he would have played on left wing with you and Derek Roy, he'd have 20 goals a year every year. Oh, man. Yeah. You're such right. a I would have gotten traded a lot earlier if I would have played with Petey. Uh, and you would have been a lot happier. <laughs> yeah, then we would have had no one to keep Millsy honest in the net. Yeah, but Millsy no throwing high clappers over his shoulder. Millsy, I believe this off off the wall topic started with uh, how flawless your night was. Oh yeah, yeah back to Millsy. <laughs> well, chance to compliment the Sabers here. So yeah, Rich Rich Geriller, like he was orchestrating like a wedding. We're, we're talking to him for <laughs> months about this, and Rich and Amber uh, took the point on it, and they did a great job. Uh, a lot of creativity and. A lot of uh, goodwill. Like they had really helped out the families and the friends who wanted to come into town from out of town. They were coordinating, talking to them because I found myself in the middle of it and everyone's trying to ask me what's going on and we sorted it out. And they're like, you know what? We, we got this. So, you know, they did. They got it. And uh, I thought just the way they treated everybody who showed up was awesome. And they treated the boys really special too. And uh, I mean, it's a great step forward for the alumni as well. I think that you know sends a good message. Like, you know, we're everybody on the ice there, and you know, a big part of that city for a long time. And uh, I know a lot of the guys, you know, have been wanting to get back, and that was a good, good chance to start and kind of, you know, reconnect with the city a little bit, reconnect with the boys. You know, it's hard to just flip the switch and <clears throat> and walk up walk out of the city walk away from the team and the relationships so you know I, i'm hoping that everybody's reconnecting and make this something at least a little more regular when we hang out see each other be in town a little bit one i don't know if you guys wanted to say something but do you guys remember when we played for the sabers do you remember seeing any of the alumni around like like millsy i remember um, yeah i mean certain ones would come yeah over. certain ones like razor was around you know he worked for the team larry Playfair was around you'd Dan, see danny garrett was uh any connection but never really guys like very rarely would gilbert come in or come around like we didn't see many of the alumni and and i remember millsy talking to you one day in the locker room we were, when we were playing you were like you know drew walked into the rink in detroit the other day and i can't remember who you said was there it might have been ted Lindsay was sitting in his oh store. yeah like, no, it was. It was probably Ted Lindsay. Like mm -hmm. those guys just were there a lot. I think that's a that's a organizational, right? Like when I was in Detroit, I mean, you walked into the locker room, and any day, all of a sudden, Nick Lindstrom threw in, and he was there for a week, and McCarty, mm -hmm. and I mean, I, there's guys every day. You see somebody. It's just the way what Ken Holland built, I guess. 
And now Iserman is uh, doing the same thing, you know, continuing that that legacy and that open door policy for for those former players. You know what's interesting about you know, I didn't get I didn't get to um, play with you guys for a long extended period. A lot the group that we were with, you know, started you know, in the minors, you guys all started in the minors. There was such a close bond built with, you, you know, um, Ryan Miller, Vanek, Roy, Pominville, Stafford, Pie, Clark MacArthur. And it just went on and on and on. And you can just tell like, you know, being around this group. Um, and I haven't seen guys in over 10 years, and to see how close all you guys are and the fun and the laughter that we had, this group was one of the tightest groups I think I've, I've seen in a long time. And, and the most important thing for me is, is recognizing you guys. Okay. Every single guy wants to be a Buffalo Sabre. They loved wearing that logo. They loved being a Buffalo Saber, and uh, it was a very, very tight group that you had here. Um, and you can see it when you guys all get together and haven't seen each other in so many years. And there was just you could just see the bond of this team was so close. It's that's to me is very, very impressive. Melzi Van, would you guys say? And I, I, I mean, we got to give credit to someone that we all played for here, you know. But wouldn't you say that? That bond amongst the young guys that Riv mentioned specifically, because it it start Van, you came, Pie came, you guys all were. My brother was in Rochester with you guys and got to see all you guys at your the youngest ages. But don't you attribute a lot to the chemistry to uh to Randy Cunningworth and Doug Huda? Yeah, I mean, Cunningworth was a, a solid coach and cared about the boys, and it was fun that Hoods was actually there, <laughs> you know working with the Islanders um, and Corey Smith for that matter, you know, he, he's working for the Islanders. He's, he gets to be there. I kind of count him as part of our group too, because he was around so much, you know, oh, um, he was, he ever around. <laughs> he was around. Um, yeah. So that was just cool how that worked out. But yeah, we, uh, Rochester was a, you know, looking back on it, I think most people want to just, you know, you want to skip everything, right. You want to just be in the big show. You want to just skip all the little, things that kind of go into it sometimes because you're like, oh, hopefully I can just make it. But I think we all kind of got defined by that time in Rochester. It gave us time to grow uh, without, you know, having, uh, you know, the mistakes happening in the NHL, obviously. But it gave us time to grow as a group. It gave us time to be, become familiar with each other. And I think that was a big part of how, you know, we kind of weaponized that. Like, we had something that a lot of teams didn't have. They were trying to rush everything through. And we had a group of guys who just did it the right way. And we were tight. I mean, I, I look back at my career and I think that first year in Rochester, it was like the hockey was unbelievable, but the friendships we had, like, I mean, I didn't know anyone on the team. I came from Minnesota and it took less than two hours to feel comfortable. And part of it is definitely Connie, his personality, Huda, his personality, but how we practiced and how we interacted on the ice and off the ice, it was nonstop. And it took, it was so easy to get to know everyone and just kind of feel comfortable. And then just like, okay, this is, this is going to be a fun year. And no one was worried about getting called up because there was no calling up. So I think it was just, we're all happy to be there and, and just kind of grew together. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit of uh current NHL. Cause yesterday there was a big trade with former teammate of yours, Bo Horvat. And former teammate of Vanners as well. I'm sure they'll be, yeah. you know, they're curious to get your opinion on it because they both hold strong opinions on the deal. What'd you think of the deal for Bo and for Vancouver? I, I'm i not shocked because it kind of seemed like it was heading that way, you know, with the season they're having and they needed to get him re signed. He's having a heck of a good year, but I am also shocked because he just, kind of represents what you want as a captain and, and who you want as a player in the locker room. And it's like, you really want to roll the dice and maybe one of those three draft pick or two draft or was it one draft pick, the prospect and a player? 
Yeah, yeah, it was Beauvillier, uh, that out to Ratty and uh, uh, first round pick conditional. I mean, you're, you're really hoping one of those guys, you know, comes close to that impact. Uh, I, that's at least when I'm thinking about trading a guy, <laughs> I'm trying to get this, you know, a similar impact on my team. And I'm trying to think who's going to bring that kind of impact. That, uh, but Bo, uh, Bo's been groomed to be that kind of a, a player and stand up and take accountability and play, you know, solid hockey in both ends. It just doesn't happen overnight. So uh, that's a pretty big trade to pull a month before the trade deadline. But knowing him and knowing him, do you see him staying with the Islanders? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like. I'm kind of surprised uh, at the destination, honestly. But I guess that gives the Islanders a little bit of time, I suppose. Like, Van, I, like, I like Van, you you seem to think that he'll like it there. Yeah, I mean, I I know when I got traded there, it's um, it's a place I didn't think I would like a lot. Just I think it's similar to Buffalo. You know, when 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 you don't know Buffalo and teams fly in, they're like. I, there's no way I would ever sign here. And then you live in Buffalo and you are part of the community. You actually love the place. And that, I mean, I was only on the Island for four months, maybe if that three and a half months, but within weeks, I felt this, this place is unbelievable. It, it doesn't have that New York city feel. And the only reason, like I said before, is I didn't resign there is because they're moving to Brooklyn, and that's something I didn't want to deal with. But if they would have stayed on the island at the Coliseum, I would have most likely resigned there because it was a good group and a great place to live. And you, you know, regret not signing there? No, not at all. Just because you know the move to Brooklyn. Even talking to the guys I played with at the time there, talking to them afterwards, it was not fun. I mean, it was eighty-two away games, so and that's something. At the stage where I was at my career with the kids I had already, I wanted my kids go to the games. You know, maybe not every game, obviously, because they're late, but I wanted them be around the rink as much as possible. Which, with that signing, wouldn't have been possible because, you know, Brooklyn can take you an hour and a half to two hours from where you were living. So I don't think uh, that that was not ideal for for me at that at that stage. But it's but now with the new building in place, I think it's very close to where most of the guys live. Easy access. It's definitely um, I can see him signing there. Hey, Melzi, you know, talking about Bull Horvat's trade. Take us through your trade. How how did you find out about your trade from Buffalo to St. Louis? Well, I mean, we're obviously we're getting closer to the deadline, and they had told me from the beginning of the year, like they're going to see what the possibility was. Uh, they had told me actually the year prior when, so Lafontaine was president, and we were talking about some stuff, and he had, was, was discussing with me re-signing with the team, a long-term plan, stuff like that, and I was kind of like, well, I I want to kind of understand the plan and know what you guys have in mind because. In the years prior, it was literally just all my friends were just getting dealt, and the core was getting stripped down. And I was just like, not in a hurry to sign the contract unless you guys have a plan in place. I'm not gonna prefer to go through the same kind of buildup that I know you need to have, like, you know, get the core back in place. That was my preference, and I didn't shut the door or anything. But then, you know, Patty ended up moving on, and, and Murray's there, and you know, they took my hesitancy as a little bit personal and they told me they would move me at the draft in the summer. And so I kind of was like, all right, I'm out of here. I, re- I remember at towards the end of the season, I sold my house and kind of got things in order. And Great timing, Millsy. Did you plan that one? No, I mean, it's just, you're trying to scare up some real estate interest, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know. No, I didn't plan it. That was actually just a, just didn't work out timing wise properly. I don't know. It just kind of came around. It's like it, the expectation was the entire season was you're probably going to get dealt. So I, I just would kind of just, I had a good year. It was Olympic year. There's something else to focus on. Uh, and I just wanted to have fun with it and just play hard and end up being a good year. And um, 
yeah, I kind of knew something. I didn't know where, I didn't know how. And they told us in the morning skate, you know, like, hey, just go out and have a little skate. You might be starting, you might not. And then they let us know, like, hey, like you're shut down for tonight. Just come to the rink. So Otter and I came to the rink in suits and just sort of like sitting around for like, I don't know. They, I think they announced it like right before the game, right? So yeah, they just uh, brought us in the uh, in the office and just told us like, hey, going to, you two are both going together to St. Louis, and so we're just like, all right, start grabbing our stuff. That's nice. They brought you in the office. I got a phone call at nine forty-five at night. <laughs> that was fun. Darcy's name pop up. I'm like, huh, that's weird. Hey, Van, uh, we just traded you to the Islanders. Um, enjoy. That was it. I'm like, okay. Um, I need my gear. <laughs> yeah, it was about a 20-second phone call. 6 a.m. flight the next morning. Kind of the same with us. We had to, then we had to go to Toronto to fly to St. Louis because there's no flights available. Uh, so we had to cross the border going to, and then we had to go to like Phoenix or something, meet the team on the road. How did it feel, though? You know, I, I remember, uh, you know, being in the same situation when I got a, a phone call from Bob Gainey letting me know that I had been moved to the San Jose Sharks. I had played and and been in, in Montreal for 12 years and that uh, that sadness, okay, obviously sadness of leaving Montreal, a place that I had only known, and then all of a sudden, you know, dealing with that, but then looking ahead of the new opportunity and beginning, uh, playing in a new new city, new team, and uh, you know what what's the the emotion like when you guys got moved for the first time? Because I think it get it gets maybe a little bit easier, um, you know, once it happens after that. But what what was your initial feeling when you guys both got traded for the first time? I just had that one experience, and it's. Uh... I, I look back on it now and I, I think it probably was a little more impactful than I was trying to allow it to be. It probably was a little bit bigger shift, bigger change and emotionally. I just probably would have liked to go back and just clear a little more space for it in a way. Like I think it's, uh, you know, I tried to let it, uh, you know, I tried to let all the feelings kind of hit me, but uh, you know, you're also trying to, push them aside because you got to go play a game within the next day or two with a new group. And they're expecting you to show up with a lot of confidence and be who you are. So yeah, it was an interesting situation to find yourself in. Uh, uh, it's, it's harder than, uh, you know, people like to let on for sure. For some that's it's I, I, I always wondered if you were angry or very emotional about it, or if you just kind of approached it as, as it was just part of the gig, but knowing you, I, I can't imagine how it wouldn't have been emotional the entire time, the entire season. Van, what about you? Again, I think I, I knew it was coming because the year before, you know, Roisey moved on, Palmer moved on. So obviously you can see change was coming. And after that year, I, I remember my end of the year meeting, I asked the same thing as Ryan mentioned earlier. I said, what is the plan? And not that I needed to know exactly what the plan was, but at the time I felt like I was been in Buffalo for a long time. My contract had a year left and I just wanted to know what, what is the plan? And I was not given a plan, which I'm okay with. And I haven't heard from the team all summer. I, you know, there's rumors I might leave at the, at the draft that didn't happen. Never once had a conversation about even extension in Buffalo. So I knew coming into training camp that at some point there's a good chance that I'll get traded. I, I figured I would stay with the Sabres at least until the deadline. And hopefully between camp and deadline, things will change and, and guys like Ryan will resign and I'll resign and then stay a Sabre. But then, you know, I think I only played eight, nine games. It was a month into the season. I got that phone call and it was you know, when reality hits, it hits you a lot differently. All of a sudden, I'm sitting there after a 20-second phone call and realized, man, I'm not a Buffalo Sabre anymore. I have to leave this this house, this community. That I've made friends outside of hockey. My kids enjoy it. Yeah, so it's it's 
it's never easy to all of a sudden change that mindset at 6 a.m. when you get on a flight to JFK and all of a sudden had to practice and then meet new guys. But you quickly Did you ever realize, wonder like what your old team was doing? Like, oh, they're probably going to the rink right now. Well, I've, I've, especially early on, you know, I think you you text, you text guys like Millsy and then whoever is around, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? Just because it's, it's part of your life. You've done that for the last 10 years. And all of a sudden you have to text new guys to go to dinner. It's like, this is, this is different. But, but again, how how uncomfortable was that for you though? Very uncomfortable. But again, I think at the time, what really helped is that Islanders team, with Kyle Oposo, Johnny Taveras, Bailey. There was like a group of core that was really young that reminded me of the early days in the Sabres. Fun, loved hockey, loved coming to the rink. So it was actually easy of getting back into swing of their things and, and getting some enjoyment of hockey again. So so that part actually was good after a couple of days because you realize, wow, this young core is awesome. Man, did it, you it, it definitely wasn't wasn't easy, but Fast forward, I get traded out of there by the deadline. And I think my first game back in Buffalo was with Montreal, I believe. And I looked over, and this was after the deadline. And I'm, you know, you, you get to the rink, you look at the game sheet, the rosters. I'm like, holy crap, I only know like Myers and Enzo. That's it. It was like two guys. I'm like, that, that started training camp. It was like, like, four months later, you know, usually go over there, talk to the guys. I'm like, there's no one to talk to. <laughs> There's just Willie and George and Rip and after and that's it. Van, after you parted ways from the Sabres, did you ever score on Millsy anywhere else? Probably. (laughs) 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 I don't know. I don't think I played against Millsy when he was in St. Louis. Uh, For sure in Vancouver. So I don't know. I, I, I don't. Where was your favorite place to score on him in practice? Chip shot, slapper, high glove. And then just cackle his way to the corner. <laughs> was Van a weird shooter, Millsy? Every goal scorer is a weird shooter. That's why they stand out. Like he's not weird. You just you don't expect uh some of his shots the way they come off. It's different than other guys' sticks, right? His release ends up being different because of who he is mechanically. Like Pominville mechanically. Like the puck doesn't spin the same way. Royzy shoots from behind his freaking foot half the time. Like all these things, like you would coach out of kids. But when no, it's but it's <laughs> true. Very, like, yeah, you would probably coach it out of the kid because you're like when they're younger, it's probably like you're seeing these pucks go nowhere, they miss the net, or like all these things. You're just like, come on, like. But once you figure it out and you make it your your own, it's like watching. Uh, I'm going to blank on the name, but there's some golf swings that are funky. And you're like, well, how does that work? Well, it's the same thing with a hockey shot, right? Like it's personal to the per- to the player. And then, I don't know, people always ask me that. It's like it, the, the, the way the puck comes off, where it comes off, kind of stick the guy uses, the kind of spin that's going to come off the puck. It's going to make the, the, like, that's why Van was hard to stop. It was just, it was a, a lot of times you'd use a really abbreviated shot that popped off like a really hard shot. And because he's a really strong guy, you know, it, it's just super surprising to have that much pop from a short shot. So Van, when you hear Millsy say this, right? I mean, mm-hmm. are these all things that are by design that you realized you were doing, or is it all just kind of like mm. trying to figure out how to get the puck past the goalie? It's not by design, no. I think, and Millsy hit it on the head. My dad was my coach growing up. He, my, my dad didn't coach how to skate the right way. He wasn't a skating coach. He didn't teach kids how to shoot the puck. Like, like I mean, now there's there's skating coaches everywhere. There's shooting coaches, and he always. I remember this from a young age. He goes, "You figure it out," because the way I shot the puck when my dad played, he's like, "You might shoot it differently." So that's what we did, and then. And what Millsy mentioned, you coach it out of it. It's so true because I have, you know, my twin boys are 12. Then I got a 15-year-old who plays high school hockey. So I'm coaching 15, 16, 17, 18-year-olds and 12-year-olds. And they all want to shoot with their flex, you know, because nowadays you can't have a a 
55 flex, a 65 or whatever. They all want to load with their bottom hand. And I'm trying to teach them, like, you guys all shoot the same way. And it takes some of them way too long to get it off. And I'm like, stop, stop doing what you're doing and just shoot it. And they, they would say, well, my, my, my shooting coach said, this is the right way to shoot. I'm like, there's no right way. There's no wrong way. Figure out a way that works so you can get your shot off in a game, not in practice. They can all shoot it in practice because there's time and space. And and Millsy, that's a great point is because some of them or some of them, majority of them are robots. These kids nowadays, they don't. I figured I, I, tipping, I don't know why I was good at tipping. I, I know why I was good at it, I guess, is because I practiced and I would watch games. And I'm like, oh, I like what this guy did. I'm going to try to improve it. And from different angles and then weird angles and from the goal line or above the hash or wherever. But those are just things I played around with and see what works. And then I do it in a game. Nowadays, everything is very scripted. Who was the hardest uh, shooter to to figure out? Well, not because he's sitting there, but Van, Van's tough to figure out because you can go between two or three different kind of shots. He also had the, uh, I'm going to be a dick and take a full slap shot. <laughs> um, he had the he had the chip shot, and then he, you know, he had a, like a, a snap shot. He didn't really have a wrist shot. He didn't no. like to use it. If he did a wrist shot, it was like a dump in. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't many and of those, then, no. <laughs> not many of those. Van didn't um, dump the fucking puck. What are we talking about here? <laughs> No, well, if he's pissed off in the neutral zone, the shift didn't go well. He'd risk one in there. Yeah. Um, Thanks, Mosey. Everybody had everybody had their own deception, and they learned how to use it. And it's something I'm trying to keep in mind as I'm, you know, trying to coach hockey as well. You have your own relationship with the with uh, with the game. Like I was a good goalie because I figured out how to work for my uh, my body type and who I was. And I just remember looking back, like my dad was reminding me of some stuff and he's just like, you know, you were, I was really like shocker. I was skinny and I was also shorter. Like by the time I was 16, like my driver's license, I was five, eight. I had to learn how to like skate so much in the net. Like I had to be out of the net. I had to be back and forth. I had to be across the net because everyone was bigger than me and they were stronger than me, but I had to learn how to use my skating. And as I got bigger, I mean, I tried to still use it as NASA. I filled the net up a lot. I was I was close to the play, um, and it, that worked for me. And as the game kind of evolved, I had to change a little bit. But um, you know, was I as effective as when I could really play the way I figured it out? You know, it's hard to say. You get later in your career, but uh, I I know I had to figure it out. And I'm trying to remind myself with my you know my son Bodie. I'm trying to show him things and. <laughs> it's kind of funny. He missed the, uh, they tied the last game of their jamboree was a one, one tie. So the referee, this guy who refs the local games, he's, if they're tied, he, he, he gets it going. Like it's a three, three person shootout. And, and Bodie went first and he missed and he comes, he's, he's, you know, he's like me, he's pissed, super pissed. And he comes off like after the game, they ended up winning two of their guys scored. And he's like, your move didn't work. I was like, you told me if I did this, it would, I go, no, I told you how to set up a move and you used it and it didn't work. And it, it's really hard because you want to sit there and like break down the video, pull it out, maybe draw something and be like, you got to do this. And it still might not work. See, that's why I'm the greatest coach for my kids because I hated video so much as a player because it was ingrained in me that I don't do much video. We practice how we're going to play. Video is a great tool, I think, as a coach, but I think for, for especially kids at a young age, even at the high school age, if I do do video, it's under five minutes. Anything over, you, they're, they're lost anyways. Well, Millsy, you must have just come in the league and the players started using those iPads on the bench coming out of the oh, league. Oh, I'm coming out. Yeah. Oh, um, sorry. Yeah, we had a little issue in Anaheim with that where it was just become every time guys would get off the they would just turn around and pick up the iPad and they're not even watching the what's game. going on in the game. And you, like, you need to absorb what the other team's doing tactically. Like they're not going to stand around like the X's and O's the coaches put up or the, the you know, like they're, they're going to play hockey and, and you're not watching what they're doing. You're, how are you going to move through that uh, defense? How are you going to 
contribute with your buddies on offense. It's not always yeah. like, oh, I should have passed it there. So I'll put myself in the exact situation and maybe make the pass next time. It's like that that's gone. That situation is never happening again because hockey's fluid. Like just watch the game, you know, analyze yourself as best you can afterwards. That's why you got coaches. Like it's just stupid. remind you. It's I think if thing. I think in between the periods though. If if you have a intermission, you want to go over maybe a power play or or something along that nature where you need to look at certain things or a penalty kill yeah. um, of what the other team's doing. Do it doing the intermission. Oh. These, yeah, but these that, that's that's not be that's doing for the it. coaches to do and then relate a message. I, I, I just don't. I hate it as a player. But I think I sometimes like. you need some, some players are, are, they're all different. Some player are visual learners. Some people are, are, you know, Remember I Jeep would come barreling into the locker room with the laptop open, just scanning the room, looking for a player. And then you'd come, you'd be like, Hey, come here, come here. <laughs> you yeah, just you, come barreling in and you'd know. If, you, if your stick would have been an inch more to the left, the play would have never happened. <laughs> It's like, okay, thank you. Oh, okay. I just, I'm like, no, I just know what I, I think. Did, man. I'll agree with Riv. Like, there's a time and a place where you could maybe make an adjustment, and it's great to have the conversation. But guy, I think there was a time in Anaheim where we were losing the entire point of having the iPad because guys were just turning around, burying their head in it. And it's like everything's in real life is happening in front of you. Stay in the moment. You know, I, I don't get how you can go from. Screen to ice, screen to ice, screen to ice. I mean, that was how bad it was for some of the guys on the team. It was literally every time. I think all they're really looking to see is if it's like, if they can cut a GIF and put it out on social media. Look at their hair looks good. <laughs> yeah. Blowing out the point. back or something. Millsy, great stuff, man. It was great, great seeing you. And appreciate you coming on. Awesome. Just wanted to get you on and catch up yeah, and just get your get your hey take. before we before we head out milsey i need a favor i that's the only thing i did not get and i'm kind of mad about it and again i was only there for for the day uh i need a ryan miller banner and i want it <laughs> signed by you and i called the next day and they didn't have any left do you have more of them yeah we got you bud okay, i need one too i didn't get one either oh. no no you you <laughs> You get a 76 banner soon anyways. Oh, yeah. Mosey, great stuff, yeah. man. It was an unbelievable night, and, and you're, you were the reason why everybody was reconnected, so it was it was special. Yeah, yep. that was awesome. We'll have to keep doing uh, find excuses to do it more often. Well, we got to find the next guy to go in the Hall of Fame. He might be on the screen here, Thomas Vanek. Get him in. Yeah. Get him in. Let's have a Thomas Vanek night. Yeah, maybe at, uh, at Northtown, me and you can go there, Petey. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. You can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.